Let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Three friends. A Catholic priest, a Protestant minister, and a rabbi decided to go fishing together. So one day they take a rowboat out into the middle of the lake. Before long, the priest says, oh, forgot the picnic basket, I gotta go back and get it. Miraculously, he steps out of the boat onto the water and walks on the water of the lake until he gets back to the parking lot. Then he strides back on the water the same way, bringing back the picnic basket. Then the minister looks around as she's about to cast her line and realizes she's forgotten the tackle box. So she steps out of the boat and onto the water and rocks across the lake, returning to the boat on top of the waves. Now the rabbi is stunned. He can't believe what's happening. At first he's just in shock and then he starts to think, well, if they can do it, I can do it. He steps out of the boat and immediately sinks. As the other two watch the rabbi beginning to tread water, the priest turns to the minister and says, do you think we should have told him where the big stepping stones are? <laughs> the story of Jesus walking on the water has been a theme in plenty of jokes through the ages and the subject of scoffing. Back in the 17th century with the age of reason and the enlightenment, scientific method replaced faith as a way of understanding abnormal behavior. At that time, this story became a source of embarrassment to the church. People can't walk on water. And yet much earlier than that, a man named Origen, a theologian who lived from 185 to 254 AD, talked about the layers of meaning to be found in the scripture. Often there are deeper layers that speak to mysteries far beyond the literal surface understanding. If all this story is about is proving that Jesus could defy the powers of gravity and walk on the water, it may sound cool, and I tend to think anything's possible with God. And yet, even if we could somehow prove that Jesus actually did that, it really doesn't help us learn anything about faith. There has to be something more here. Jim Somerville, an American Baptist pastor, once said, we call the Bible the Word of God because it's a way that God speaks to us. Therefore, the appropriate question to ask when looking at a passage like this one is not, did it really happen this way? But what on earth is God trying to say? So what is this story really about? Well, context helps. In that time and culture, the depths of the sea were seen as a place to be feared, a place of chaos. It's the first image we have in the Bible meant to, meant to state uncreation. It's a place uninhabitable, unwelcoming of life in their minds. And the first audience that the Gospel writer of Matthew was addressing when he wrote it about 50 to 70 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, lived at a time when it seemed like everything was in chaos. The Romans had destroyed the world he knew, subjecting people to an occupation that was brutal. 
The fledgling church was especially singled out for persecution. After all, they were followers of a Jewish man who had been executed as an enemy of Rome. Peter and Paul had also been executed by the state, and the gospel author wanted to encourage this battered Christian community to continue to follow in the ways of Jesus. And now the story. The recent news that Herod had beheaded Jesus' cousin John the Baptist was hard for him as well as for the disciples. And when they first tried to get away from the crowds to deal with their grief, 5,000 people showed up and they had to worry about taking care of them and teaching them and healing them and feeding them with a few fish and some bread. In the story that Steve just read to us, Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat, go on to the other side without me. I'm going to stay here and have some time alone in prayer and I'll catch up with you. Of course, they never could have dreamed just how he was going to show up. The disciples soon find themselves in that boat at night in the terrible storm. Imagine yourself as one of them. The waves are tossing the boat violently up and down till you feel nauseous. You can barely see anything out there in the dark except when a lightning bolt cracks and lights up the sky, reminding you that a boat out in open water is a prime target for it. The thunder, the waves washing over the decks certainly cause anxiety. You are a fisherman, and you're used to those storms kicking up quickly on the Sea of Galilee. It's not your first one, but then something terrifies you. Through that mist of sea spray comes that figure walking on the water. What the heck? Is it a ghost? Are we hallucinating? And then he speaks, have courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. Given the circumstances, most disciples are probably still a little scared. They've never seen Jesus like this. But Peter, the one who almost always seems to blurt, what, blurt out whatever is on his mind, the one to spring to action before anyone else gets a chance, or usually before he even thinks about it, does something unexpected even for him. In the middle of that dark, churning storm, he says, Jesus, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come. And Peter steps out of that boat into the swirling waves. Is he crazy? Like the other disciples, you and I would more likely stay in the safety of the boat and cry for Jesus to help us. That's what we usually do whenever we are in the need of Jesus. When we're upset, when we're worried, when we're despondent, when we're frightened, we pray for Jesus to come to us. Instead, Peter says, Jesus, let me come closer to you. I want to come there with you. I want to walk where you walk. Peter isn't just being impulsive this time. He's being courageous. I think this story is trying to tell us that when we try to walk in the ways that Jesus walked in this world, when we try to live as Jesus lived, when we try to do the things that he did, we discover hope and purpose. It gives us a measure of peace in an often stormy world. No, Jesus doesn't expect us to walk on water, but what Jesus did ask to us to do can seem just as daunting. To love our neighbor, every neighbor, 
to forgive again and again, to love people who don't love us, to feed the hungry and care for the poor, to lift up the oppressed, to love those we encounter in this world as God's children, even when we don't much like them, to offer lavishly our compassion, mercy, and grace. I would say that's as hard as walking on the water. If the storm represents all of our fears and our struggles, the boat represents what we cling to for safety. We're just called to stop clinging to the things that are not of God. Things like self-centeredness, hatred, greed, ignoring the plight of others. We're called to step out of the boat to risk the challenge of discipleship, the daunting challenge of walking in this world in the ways that Jesus did. The twist in the story is that soon after stepping out of the boat, Peter realizes where he is. Looking at the waves swirling around his feet, Peter's focus moves from Jesus to his fears, and down he goes into the raging waters. I think folks get it wrong when they assume that the moral of the story is that if you have enough faith, you can do anything. Certainly there are times in life when people experience loss or tragedy that is not a result of their lack of faith. That kind of thinking can take us to a very dark place. Jesus said, why did you doubt? Or the translation from the message that Steve said, faint heart, what's gotten into you? This isn't scolding. You see, Peter isn't doubting Jesus. He's doubting himself. Jesus has said, come, and Peter does it until he gets self-conscious. It seems that Jesus is sad for him. You were doing it. Why did you stop? It's as if Peter is torn between faith and fear, between trusting in Jesus and not trusting himself to be who Jesus calls him to be. He doesn't trust himself to walk the walk, and we don't always trust ourselves either. There's so many different voices in the world, and it's hard to figure out what direction to go. It's hard to trust ourselves to do the right thing. Even when we know the right thing, it's not always easy to do it. God is our heavenly parent who is always holding out a hand to save us, our arms to embrace us. It reminds me of watching the videos of my little nephew not too many months ago trying to walk to his mom for the first time. You and I are like toddlers, sometimes just learning to walk. Just look at me, says Jesus. You're doing fine. You can do it. And when we get unsure of ourselves and we start to wobble or fall, the parent picks us up again, holds us close and comforts us and encourages us to try again. When I was 13 years old at a Presbytery summer camp, my group's tents were on the other side of the little lake from the rest of the camp. And so we would have to use this heavy, clunky old raft that had huge beams tied to barrels to keep them afloat and a rope pulley that crossed the whole lake so we would take turns pulling ourselves across the lake. Now, you are only supposed to have so many people on it at a time, but we were late to get to the dining hall and we decided to all get on. Of course, too many people were on one side than the other and the very last person to jump on the raft, can you imagine what happened? It flipped over. And then because of the barrels, it flipped back again. 
I was the first to go down. And every time I tried to start to swim to the surface, another person would fall on top of me. With every fall, it knocked a little more air out of me until there was none left, and I was sure I was going to drown. At that point, there was no more a sense of panic because I accepted what I thought was the end of my life. And then the bodies cleared above me, and the sunlight illumined this hand reaching down to me and pulling me up to the surface. It was the counselor who got me back up on the raft, who pumped the water out of me and sighed with relief when I started breathing normally again. It was a kind of moment in time that's hard to forget. The fear as I was being pushed and pummeled to the bottom, the resignation, then the absolute hope of rescue, life itself. When Peter is sinking and calls out to Jesus, immediately Jesus reaches out to him, pulls him up, takes him back into the boat, and calms the sea. And so it is with us. Jesus saves us not just once, but again and again. And Jesus Christ, God, is with us and will never give up on us. Knowing that doesn't take away all our fears or those moments when we doubt ourselves. Yet God gives us the courage to keep trying to do what we know in our hearts needs to be done, to step out of the boat. Our mistakes, our faults, our failings will never separate us from God's love. Friends, God believes in us. We just need to be willing to step out of that boat, trusting Jesus to catch us when we falter. Because the love of Christ never ends, never gives up on us. How can we give up on ourselves? Amen.